Rod. I went to Arizona State. Rod. I'm a Sun Devil, man. State of the Sun Devils from Arizona Sports with Jesse Morrison, Jeremy Schnell, and Jake Anderson. Hello and welcome into another edition of State of the Sun Devils alongside Jesse Morrison and Jake Anderson. I'm Jeremy Schnell. A couple things. One, Jesse, is it a great day to be a Sun Devil? Eh. Why? What do you mean, oh, man? Wait, oh, hold on. Okay, before we get to the other thing. Eno just one went man. off last night, and that's the that's the energy you come in here with? We'll get to it. I don't know how I feel well, you, about you, the quarterback situation. Met. Well, I do kind of know how I feel about the quarterback situation. Yeah. We, we haven't gotten there yet. And number two, we're in a new kind of setting right now. I, I'm screaming. I, I feel like I have I, to yell at him. I, but here's the thing. Jesse's behind glass now. And uh, he's back where he normally is. Yeah, and I, I just feel like we've alienated him. Number one, I feel bad about that part. And number two, actually okay with him uh, being being far away from us. I like being behind the glass. <laughs> I feel more comfortable back here. It's where he belongs. It's right? Where I normally am during the Wolf and Luke show when I am the associate producer of the Wolf and Luke show. Uh, so if we sound different today, uh, that, that's why we're in a different studio today. Um, we'll sound better. These are nicer mics. Well, there you go. Um, thanks, Jesse, for for all your help. Um, we're going to get into this matchup that ASU uh, goes into this weekend. 2-4 and four Stanford, 0-4 oh in the Pac-12. ASU, obviously, better Pac-12 record because they beat Washington. <laughs> Stanford beat Notre Dame, who apparently is a national power. Stop. That's Stanford's first FBS win in like 13 games. That's not as bad as Vanderbilt. Um, but yeah, Stanford, uh, maybe Christian McCaffrey will be there. Uh, he's back in the in the Bay Area. Yeah, can we get to the most important thing here, though? Why I said meh. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, that was coming up soon. Like, I was going to talk about it. Yeah, but I'm raring and ready to go. I've been wanting to talk about this since Monday. I happen to be out of town on Monday, though. So before we get to Jesse talking about Emory Jones and Trenton Bourget, uh here's Sean Aguano from just a couple days ago talking about the situation there. You know, we've, we're going to handle it exactly the same way that we prepared all the rest of the games. Uh, Emery's uh, fully cleared and he's back. So um, within our racks, when I talk racks, within our periods, uh, we, we give the first guy um, primor- primarily most of the reps and the next guy uh, four or five reps. So it's pretty equal. Um, but uh, um, we're going to go about it. Um, you know, uh, my philosophy was we're never going to penalize an injured player. So um, it's Emery's... Uh, job back and and uh, we'll see how it all plays out before you go off on the situation jesse um you got to understand what where guano's coming from there right like you got to understand that you don't penalize an injured player right or base everything off of one game well i mean he's not uh, before jesse talks about this because i know what he's going to say he's basing it off of a pretty large sample size at this point which is Emory Jones had probably one or two good quarters this season. But the sample size is what Emory Jones can do. The sample size is not what Trenton Bourget can do. Trenton Bourget led them to the to a win over the then number 21 team in the country. He looked like the clear better passer than Emory Jones. I just don't get it. I, so what why, happens why? if Trenton starts to struggle? Then what do you do? Then you might go back to Emory Jones, but we haven't or seen Paul that Tyson. yet. Paul no, Tyson, you got the Alabama I, connection. I don't, I don't <laughs> want to talk. I don't. We're, we're done with Paul Tyson, Jeremy. We're done. With what? Paul. We're done with that conversation. Alabama lost the football game, so they're not an elite powerhouse. <laughs> we're, done, we're just done with that conversation. But I just don't understand why, when when we've seen 
what Emory Jones can do this year, and we've seen what Trenton Bourget can do this year, and what Trenton Bourget did was way better than what Emory Jones did, why they're still sticking with Emory Jones. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Obviously, Trenton Bourget is the way better passer, and can't, it, the, the drives just looked so much different. The offense looked so much different. He was finding receivers. He was going through his reads. I just, I just haven't he seen that with him. For I, got, one yeah. of the first times where ASU didn't allow a sack in an but entire game. Maybe that has to do with the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, in terms of timing of throwing the ball before you get hit, evading pressure just enough. I mean, he did. To your point, Jesse Trenton did take two licks on two of his touchdown passes, but uh, he got the ball out, and they were no, touchdown it, passes. Exactly, that, and that's what I'm saying. And when we talked up last week, it was kind of like he hasn't been hit all year. Emory has, so maybe the that. The clock, the internal clock for Emory Jones is a little bit faster than Trenton Borgates because he's been getting beat up all year to where it's, all right, it's time to bail or just force something and it ends up being incomplete. My whole thing is I know from seeing them in practice that Emory is the more impressive passer. And again, it's just a one game. If Emory struggles against Stanford, I can guarantee you Borgay is going to come in and if Borgay excels for a second consecutive game, I think that's when he takes it over for probably the rest of the season. I don't care about practice. Yeah, practice that, is not the game, as Allen where, Iverson would say. That's I want. Jameis Winston was a terrible practicer, notoriously at Florida State, and he would go in there and throw for three hundred yards and four touchdowns. So you know, I don't, I don't want, I don't care about practice. I want to see what they do in in the games. And Emory in the games has not looked as good as Trenton Borgay did, and maybe that was because Washington didn't prepare for Trenton Borgay. But you know, I, I. I just don't understand, based off of the sample size that we have seen this year of both of those quarterbacks, why you would go with the one that has clearly struggled more than the other. Yeah, I totally agree with what you're saying there, Justin. Jake, do do you think they should start Emory? That's my question for you. Yeah, I would start Emory and see what happens. Is it... Did is Trenton that much better that he? Yes. Here's the thing: because if Trenton is that the offense much better, was completely different. They looked like they could make a bowl game versus being like three and nine or two and ten. To be fair, Emory didn't really get a chance in this ball game. Like, yeah, got, I mean, he, he got he, he was seven of no, nine. He got I'm knocked saying, out. He also I, had a touchdown. I, I I know, but I'm also saying just based off of what I saw in previous games with Emory versus what I saw, you know, with Trenton in that particular game. Listen, I know how coaches think, especially football coaches, yeah. and it's the body of work that they have seen from both. The talent, Emory is a better, more talented passer. He's a more talented runner. I, I, disagree, I disagree with that. I, I disagree with the fact that he's pro- he, maybe he has the arm strength better than Trenton Borgay, but I think that Trenton Borgay is a smarter quarterback when it comes to where the ball's supposed to go. Okay, again, as I just said, he's a more talented passer and a more talented runner the cerebral part of the game the intangible part of the game that can be probably just based off what we've the one again we've seen Trent Borgay play one game against one decent opponent we saw Emory Jones go through a gauntlet of top 15 talent to a st- like decently good defenses in in, in Utah especially and yeah, and look he, what happened against Utah <laughs> Yeah, but also like like I said Utah about just beat USC. If they had a competent quarterback against Oklahoma State, they could have won that game. Yeah, that would have been a huge. But my whole win thing is okay. Game. But this is my this is basically what I'm trying to say. 
I don't know if you put Trenton Borgay in for Emory Jones against Oklahoma State if they beat Oklahoma State. I don't think the result is any different. I, I think it's – again, if, if, if Emory Jones struggles in the first half against Stanford, I'm putting Borgay in at halftime. And if Borgay leads the team to victory again, it's Borgay's job. Because he's then proven to, when it does come down to the game, he can do it. And he does it at the highest level and can do it. But to just take a guy that you – you didn't think Trenton Borgay was going to be your starter coming into this season. You went and got Emory Jones. Just because he's struggled, got injured, and then Trenton Borgay goes and, and, and wins you a ball game doesn't necessarily say, okay, well, Emory's done. There's just, a reason why you brought him in. I just think you might be killing the momentum of Trenton Borgay by not starting him in this game. Like, they... You've got to go with the hot obviously, hand. I obviously, he doesn't care. He came in last game without, like... Yeah, but but you gotta hiccups, go with the hiccups. hot hand. Like that's what I'm saying. Like you you've got to ride with the guy that's you know currently leading this team to success. But this isn't basketball, and we're like coming down the fourth quarter or the and second Chris half. Chris Paul's not playing Ex- exactly. Like 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 because <laughs> Damian is, Lee is this is baller. a quarterback. This this guy touches the ball every single play and is going to affect your offense every single play. I would just. Again, it's just traditional football. You just fall in love with the better arm the better talent in terms of physical capabilities. He allows you to run the ball a little better than Trenton does. But yeah, Trenton was way more accurate and seemed to have uh, a lot more awareness of himself in the pocket than Emery has this year. But we'll see. I mean, Emery knows that now too. So maybe there's a fire that's lit under him. Maybe that's what Iguano's hoping for. Hope well, so, and I will. I would like to say that. Why do you has, keep interrupting me? Because I want to. I want to get this out. I want to get this out out of here. Uh, Emory Jones, very nice guy. Uh, this is very much just based off of performance on the field. So I just want to. I just want to throw that out there. I don't think there's ever a question that we were talking about their character. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we're just talking about I, yeah, them as just, football players. Just wanted to say that. Um, I think we got to look at the other factors involved in this decision for Sean Aguano that we talked about also last week and after the game against Washington, Jesse. I think the re- the number one reason why he's not starting Trenton Bourget isn't because that he's trying not to penalize Emory Jones for getting hurt, is because he's coaching for his job here. He's coaching to try and become the head coach at ASU. And if he makes a drastic decision, like benching the guy that you went out and got in the transfer portal and is a highly touted recruit, went to Florida, was playing in the SEC, like, if you make that decision and it doesn't go well, you're out. Yeah. He's an interim coach. Yeah, that makes sense. So, I I, I get it. He like, has to explain that move in a in a possible job interview yeah if it if it all goes to hell yeah i get it but he also has to explain you know not going with the guy that he's gonna make the decision that is best for his job which means win football games i mean i guess <laughs> i don't know i think and this is a culmination of him len thomas brian billick like i think that you know they could also ask him in a job interview like Hey, you know, Trenton had this really good game, and he went back to Emory, and Emory struggled. Why? Why didn't you just go with Trenton? So, you know, I see it but, from the other way, too. But, but that's – and then the, the question there becomes, okay, well, he struggled – he continued to struggle. Trenton comes in and continues to do well. Then does he make the switch? Yeah. And that's being able to be a coach on the fly and making yes. the adjustments and whatnot. I think – I think it's rash to make a quick decision after three quarters. Yeah. I do want to get to this, though, because – 
uh, they he did talk about that he's not a fan of the two QB situation because one of the reporters out there asked him if he could potentially Switching play off, yeah. play both, which I I agree one hundred percent with Aguado here. I hate that. I don't. I've never seen that work for anybody. Um, so quit asking. So so yeah. <laughs> but he said that he will go quickly to another quarterback if the other one struggles. So here we go. I've never been a fan of uh, splitting uh, quarterbacks just because of the, the rhythm that somebody goes in. Now, if somebody's not getting the job done, um, I'm here to win football games too. And so if somebody's not getting the job done, um, I, I, I can make those decisions really quick. But I don't um, feel yeah. that splitting reps or f- splitting series, I just the, the continuity of the game um, doesn't bode well uh, in my experience. But... Uh, Whoever's going to give me the best chance to win the football game and our team win a football game, that's who I'm going to go with. It's exactly what we were just talking about, how he's going to be able to make that decision in game. And you can't make it going into this game like that. You got you, you got to ride with the guy that you brought in here to be the starter for I, now. I suppose. I oh. suppose. But I think that there will be a very short leash in this game. And if Emory struggles, then... Trends Jake, be out before, there. Be, before you say anything, to the point that you made a few minutes ago about now Emery has, maybe has that fire and sees that you know Trenton could be on his back, that didn't work very well for him at Florida. He got his job taken from him. So I, I hope for Emery's sake he's able to get over that mental blo- seemingly mental block that he faced at Florida and he's able to play with a fire under his butt. But I haven't seen it before, so hopefully... Good team to get over it with. Hopefully he's able to do that this week against Stanford. Good team to get over it with. So I will say Trenton Borgay, great kid. No offense, talent-wise, I don't think he's an Anthony Richardson. But that being said... (laughs) I mean, Anthony Richardson, he's shown that he is very inconsistent himself. He will look like a Heisman winner one week, and then he'll come back and be like. But that's the Who? hardest part about college sports. Just remember, these are kids. I mean, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're newly young adults. Trevor Lawrence looked good in every game. Anyway, <laughs> what I was going to say was, what would happen to the psyche of an Emory Jones if he doesn't start this next game, and it's kind of, and then he has to come back in because Trenton Borgay struggles or gets hurt, and now it's, well, they don't want me. I mean, it, and then you and then you face a situation of he gets passed over, and then he's like, "I'm just going to enter the portal at the end of the season. I'm not going to, you know, be a part of the team anymore." It's very possible. I mean, not to say like Trenton doesn't deserve it, but Trenton has, and we heard him on on our air. He's been preparing for that for his whole life. He prepares every week like he's going to be a starter, and he finally got his opportunity. He didn't start obviously, but he got to play three quarters basically of a of a game. Played with the ones exactly, yes, and it wasn't, and it wasn't just handing the ball off and running the clock out. It was making plays, and I just don't know if it's the easiest. The easiest path for Trenton Borgay to become the starter is Emory Jones fails and struggles early, and he comes in and basically does exactly what he did against Washington and wins him a game. That's the easiest, most like non-argumentative path for Emory Jones as well. It's kind of like you failed to deliver. For two straight weeks, granted the first was not his fault, but the offense looks completely different with Trent Borgay. I just think from a psyche, from a team standpoint, remember they the players picked Emery to be the captain preseason. 
I mean, they they love Trenton yeah. too, but like they picked this guy to be their captain and their leader. So just abandon him like that, I feel like would be a little harsh. You guys like my uh, so quick a- so quit asking from uh, Nick Saban when uh, no remember Bama lost the game so they're not a lead anymore <laughs> for Jesse Morrison uh, I, did I say that <laughs> Stan- I, I never said that that's like when Cliff told uh, Wolf that he wanted him to fire him what that never and he happened wished Wolf a, a happy seventieth ten years early yeah yeah. Uh, Stanford two and four zero uh, and four in the Pac twelve they beat Notre Dame last week as Jesse said. Uh, it was a 16-14 to 14 game, so low scoring. I don't know what that means about Stanford's defense, really. Stanford's defense is bad. <laughs> so does that say something about Notre Dame? Or? It says a lot about Notre Dame, which <laughs> we could just do this a whole like half hour of me just explaining why Notre Dame doesn't really matter in the college football landscape and why they're a fraud program. And why Stanford they, just they, keeps getting these quarter- – sorry to interrupt, Jesse, but not really sorry. Stanford just keeps getting these quarterbacks – that are that like go under the radar and you're like, like when it comes to NFL draft time they're they're going to be like a top three round pick for some reason yeah I Tanner guess that started good. with Andrew Luck but back then they were a good program so. yeah but like what happened to Stanford but like, by the way Mills is now like pretty good with Houston and <laughs> like he was a pretty good recruit when he came into Stanford. Like now, Tanner McKee, sixty-four percent completion percentage, almost sixty-five percent, uh, ten touchdowns, the five interceptions probably worry you as a Stanford Cardinal fan, but uh, could help ASU out. ASU forced how many turnovers? It's already been you know with bye week and everything, a two, three turnovers, whatever it was against Washington. They had a great pick six with Clark. Um, I would love to see some more defensive takeaways in this game i would love to see a strip sack would be very nice to see more sacks no they got targeting they got their second sack of the season against uh yeah, usc bj <laughs> green's gonna be out first half Remember yeah that? that's yeah. not good um don't target kids so basically when i look at the stats of tanner mckee i see turnover prone can asu capitalize on that jesse i just see as i just see this as a game where asu's offense could roll yeah, over a Stanford yeah. defense that's not very good, but only gave up 14 points to Notre Dame. Yeah, for Notre Dame's a fraud. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't even get me started on Notre Dame. You, you already did. and, and Again, I interrupted you for a reason. Yes, Keep just tra- just please let me talk about Stanford's defense. <laughs> They're the 97th ranked defense in the country. They, ha- they allow over 409 yards per game and almost 30 points per game. So the way that ASU the ASU does have some talent on offense, like they have the running backs to absolutely destroy this offense. I mean this this Stanford defense. So yeah, I don't understand why ASU can't just come out there and and honestly blow Stanford out because yeah, like you mentioned turnovers for for Stanford. You know, I have a I have a whole different view of this ASU team after the last game. I think that they can win games like this. So, yeah, I mean, I might, I might actually be going with an ASU victory here. Um, given his predictions, even though I haven't asked for them. 72nd ranked offense. Like, Stanford, they're just not that good. So, uh, yeah, I, why are they better than ASU? Because they beat a historical program that hasn't won in 34 years? Yeah. But I think the problem with this ASU team is they're crazily inconsistent. Like the, I mean, I thought they've been pretty consistent up to last week. They were just bad all year, and then they. But there were like quarters and flashes, like against eh. U, against USC. There were flashes, eh. like there was 
the whole first half, I they guess. were pretty good against sure. USC. I don't know. I don't know if I see them as an inconsistent team. I saw them as consistently bad and then a good performance last week or well, two I weeks I, ago. I just sorry. don't think that's true. Like, they were bad against Utah, but, like, they were okay against USC. They were, they were okay bad against, against Eastern Michigan. Yeah. Very bad against Those Eastern two Michigan. two straight weeks of bad. So what does A little that, bit better against USC. But what does USC. that say to you? That they're inconsistent. No, I, I saw them as getting a little bit better against USC, which— they got, like, And they played pretty well it, against Oklahoma State. In the second half, they did not. I, I saw first so half that, of Oklahoma State and USC, which at the time were both top ten. Or like maybe they were eleventh when they played Oklahoma State. I saw mostly still, bad, and then those a good were good performance last week. I saw mostly bad, good performance last week or two weeks ago. Anyway, yeah, I, I hope this offense goes off, but they haven't scored a, a touchdown at home in the first quarter yet. ASU, correct. Yeah, I mean, like it's always a. a what is up with first quarters in Valley sports teams? Ridiculous. Uh, our friend Connor Brown uh, making making those field goals. He's uh, Carter Brown. Yeah, that's a fine. Is it Connor? Carter. Con- Connor Brown is my high school friend. Carter. Carter yeah. Brown. Yeah, I said Carter. You, no, you uh, said you, Connor. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Carter. It's a fine. He's uh, he's very good at kicking the field goals thing. Is he not? He's he's good at kicking field goals, Jeremy. The the thing about you know kicking the ball between the he's uprights, good. He's, he's good at that thing. He's probably better than whoever the Cardinals have. Lankenship? Yeah, he, he might missed be an extra point yesterday. Right, he missed an extra hit point. A fifty yarder though. Yeah, that was he's, a he's great that, kick. Carter Brown definitely would have made that kick that Matt Amendola had to make. It's a tough kick. It's forty plus yards. It's and... easier to kick in the NFL than college too. That's the only thing about Carter Brown that we've yet to see. Not that saying he can't do it. ASU has not uh, to this point been in a clutch time field goal late. We just haven't seen it. He hasn't had the opportunity yet. Yeah. So I'm anxious to see. And based on what we've seen, I don't think he'll miss and I'm I just I think this game this is a type of game that can come down to field goals especially late if you need it to win or to tie whatever it may be and can Carter Brown be that guy and because of the fact that he's shown that he can make it from 50 plus I mean in terms of if you're down 22 to 21 24 21 you know that you get to the 35 30 yard line you're in range that really does affect your play calling because if I mean look at the Cardinals they didn't even kick a field goal in Seattle. Yeah, that's true. like it, it really has a, a, an effect on the play caller when you know. You, well, they got a field goal on the first drive. You know what I mean, though. Yeah. They went for it five times on fourth down. The yeah. Cardinals did. Yeah, but, besides the, <laughs> from the the five yard line, they're going to kick a field goal. I, I, yeah, I get what you're saying. But <laughs> it, when you have that three points in your pocket, proverbially anyway. It really does affect your play calling to where you don't have to be as aggressive to get to the 15 or 20 because you have to get inside the 40 in terms of your field goal kicker. I I just I cannot wait to see him in a in a clutch moment. That's the that's the last box he has to check for me. He's already one of the best kickers in the country though. I love kicking talk. Yeah. A few things before <laughs> we get to our predictions for the week. Uh running back uh Casey Filkins. Is that how you say it? Filkins, like Manny Wilkins, but Filkins. Yeah, I, I believe so. Um he can play. He's pretty good. He can scoot. Yeah. He's got four hundred thirty yards on the season, hundred and fourteen carries. And he wasn't even supposed touchdowns. to be their their starter. Sixteen uh, Smith's son is there. Sixteen receptions, two hundred and three yards. So a little little bit of a guy that can do it all. Um, so got to watch out for him if you're the defense this week. Um, Stanford's defense allows 409.7 yards per game and 29.7 points per game. Uh, obviously, only gave it 14 to... Uh, ASU's like right there, by the way. These yeah. teams are pretty much identical yeah. in terms of their yeah. defensive total 
and points. Yeah, 97th ranked defense and 72nd ranked offense for Stanford. Um, couple injury updates. Uh, their top receiver, Michael Wilson, appears he might be out this week. And then, Jake, you got more from ASU in terms of injuries? Yeah, so Zeke Freeman is out for the season uh, due to turf toe. He had oh, missed. Oh, that stinks. Missed the last game because of that and exited the game prior. You Wolf ever, had turf toe. Yeah, right? you ever heard Wolf's turf toe story? You probably don't want to. I'm going to say it anyway. So they went in with the blue juice under his toenail. They had to put a 300-pounder on top of him yeah. to, to make sure that he didn't run away. Yeah, so they <laughs> they stuck it, it they stuck in the needle under his toenail and injected that stuff in there. I thought I would go extra like graphic there on that story. Thank you. Appreciate it. We just lost everyone who was listening. Um, <laughs> another injury update, uh, Jake. Yes, this one is the bigger one um, of them all. So earlier this week, uh, no pun intended there. <laughs> Sean Aguano said that uh, LD Ladarius Henderson, the left guard, who I think is going to the league eventually. Um, Hashtag league devils. He has a finger issue that when he got tested out on Monday, he is officially listed as questionable. Usually that does not bode well. Aguano said that he probably won't be able to go, but everybody else. On the defensive side, that had been missing. Uh, I should mention Des Holmes also. But Des Holmes, um, Anthony Cooper, and who am I missing? Omar Norman Lott are expected to be back or probable. If we're and then go. you said who was suspended for the first half again, guys? B.J. Green. B.J. Green, right. So That's he, a stupid rule, by the way. they got to get rid of that. If you get targeting, you should be thrown out of the rest of the game, and you should come back. That's my opinion. Well, he well literally in his instance, he did it in the last like minute That's fine. of the game. I still don't care. I think that I think this is that this is how they should ab- abridge that rule. So theoretically, it, you could just, also, you could just take out the opposing team's starting quarterback with a head-to-head penalty in the final drive, and it's well, okay because you'll get bad able to play. because it's a penalty. You don't want penalties. it should be like remember the the five yard face mask penalty and the fifteen yard face mask penalty. Wow, we should bring back the wedge too. It, it should be like it, you know. The, to, to the referee's discretion, like if it was bad enough to eject them. Yeah, I remember. Sure, I remember that. Uh, by the way, because the first Matt, this is such a tangent, but the first Madden game I had was the <laughs> was Madden 07 with Sean Alexander on the cover. And oh, it was like yeah. it was the last year of the wedge and the five yard face mask. Speaking so, of which, oh, hold on, big day for Jesse yesterday. We got the wishbone in an NFL game. <laughs> Can you believe that, Jake? Jesse's been pining for the wishbone all season. My high school had two undefeated regular seasons doing that. And Kyler Murray ran the wishbone (laughs) under center, five foot ten of them, all five foot ten of them. (laughs) Um, I want more. Speaking of of the Cardinals, Eno Benjamin, League Devil, hashtag League Devil. Are we going to pick the Stanford game, Jeremy? That usually comes at the end of the show, Jesse. If you didn't remember how how we do this, sure. Here, yep. I don't know. know. We didn't have a guest this week, so sometimes it's after we have a guest. League Devil, Eno Benjamin, twelve carries, ninety-two yards. A touchdown, uh, four catches, twenty-one yards. So that is over. About the, block. the century what mark. Is pancake. I was getting there. I That's my favorite there. part of the game. That was yeah. my favorite thing that happened, except for maybe the wishbone <laughs> or the win. <laughs> well, <laughs> we, I mean, like we're not Cardinals fans. We don't like it's good for work if they win. It's good I for guess, work. But, yeah, like, <laughs> Wolf's in a better mood when they win. So <laughs> I like that. Uh, so he, your content gets seen more when they win. Correct. He eclipsed the set. Jeremy's audio I, I, slideshows. I disagree, actually. If the Cardinals do bad, 
everybody's tuning in to watch, to yes, watch everybody, the Bickley Blast the next morning. Everybody likes that. <laughs> um, and, the, and the great audio slideshows. Um, anyway, uh, Eno clips the century mark for total yards yesterday. Good for him. Um, and then uh, what's this thing? I mean, you got Moodlet Madness, Jesse. What's going on here? The men's can can we talk team? more about Eno, please? What? We... I didn't even get to like talk about it. You said the block was cool. He he had the two point conversion. Yeah, and a touchdown. I just I just wanted to talk like m- more about it. Yeah, I mean like it's it's cool. It's you can so, talk about it's, it. It's great. But this Cliff, is awesome. Cliff answered the question super quickly. James Connors our star. Yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of what I w- I want to talk about. That one thing, like you know, might be a more versatile every down back than James Conner in my opinion. It's, and that's not just because I'm biased. It's the whole... And he seems to be more durable, too. It's the whole David Johnson scenario, where you're paying him the money, but like yeah. he's not he's not wanna, producing in the win, way though. that you would want him to play. You gotta like, win, though. Yeah. You gotta win. And, and his block was awesome. And, you know, I said when the Cardinals drafted Eno in the seventh round that he was the steal of the draft. Because I had seen what he had done in college. I thought he was a, you know, a great college running back. He fought through really difficult circumstances his last year at ASU to have a really solid season. Yeah. And, and you know, and the first couple of years of his career, really the first year, because last year he so, he showed some flashes. Really, really, the first year he was like, eh. He was you know, inactive. Yeah, he was inactive. I, I thought he would definitely. I think he was active for one game. Yeah, I, I thought he would have uh, a, I'm a, on way, a way bigger role. And he didn't. And then, but now we're we're finally seeing how much of a steal he was, and and it's it's finally coming true that man, this guy can really play and do a lot of different things: receive, block, run the ball. You know, he's a tough runner. He's also fast. He's also you know elusive. It seems like so. Yeah, I mean, I think he he still might be the steal of that draft. He was inactive uh, the whole twenty twenty season. Trayvon Diggs and. Uh... Yeah, Jonathan Trayvon. Taylor might have something to say about that, but Trayvon Diggs, what has he ever done? Jonathan Taylor has done nothing this year. Trayvon Diggs, what has he yeah, ever done? He was so bad last year. <laughs> Eno, Eno's like Eno's on his tail now. I mean, like Eno's he, averaging four point six yards per carry this year, I believe. Like, he, yeah, that's that's all I really wanted to say. A bigger I mean, steal just, than your boy Chase Young. Chase Young hasn't done anything this year. Chase Young is about to come back, probably ease his way back in. Um, but yeah, I mean, Eno's just to to have this to uh, to have this <laughs> to have this production out of the seventh round. I mean, the Cardinals got to be ecstatic that he was there and available in the twenty twenty draft. Live from Roger Goodell's basement. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, Moonlit madness. Uh, yeah, technically, that's what they're going to get Robbie Anderson for too. Yeah. Yeah. No relation. Women's basketball and men's basketball seasons, they start tonight. Kind basically. of. So it's like, you know, everybody, most most schools have like a midnight madness. ASU used to have mill madness. Where, now, what the hell? Uh, what's, what's Sun Angel Stadium, Jesse? Sun Angel Stadium is the track stadium. Really? Yes. And that's where it is tonight. It's around 945. So as soon as the hockey game ends at Millet Arena... Can't they just call it the track stadium? Like, why does it have to be Angel? Like, I think there was somebody that was named Angel or something. I don't know. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Moonlit Madness kicks off tonight. You got the men's and women's basketball teams out there. You know, it's free for fans. 
there's a skills contest, three point contest, dunk contest. You know, it's just like your, your typical nine forty five tonight. Yeah, nine forty five, or as soon as the game ends. If the game goes a little bit long over at Mullet Arena, then they will push it back. But yeah, I mean, it's just kind of an event for the fans. Yeah, I've like never that. been. I still probably can't go tonight because I have a high school game to call. But like, I again, mean, he's. Self-involved statements again. Here we go. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I, I know, but it seems like a cool event, and I wish I could go out there. And if and if you listen to this podcast in the next seven hours, go out there. It should be a lot of fun, and it's free. We like free these days with all this inflation. All right, quick, quick, uh, rapid fire bullet point: ASU athletics. Do you want me to do it? Update. No, I got this. Okay. ASU hockey two and four. With Colorado College coming in to Mullet Arena this weekend. They play today. How'd you like Mullet Arena, Jeremy? I loved it. I really did. Uh, the problem is it's it's small, um, and they're going to play NHL hockey there. Um, <laughs> That's true. Soccer is now 7-3-3. Perfect three and size three. for a college arena, though. Yeah, it's great. Great atmosphere. 7-3-3 uh, and three for the women's soccer team. Uh, they had a 2-0 win against Wazoo yesterday. They play against Washington on Sunday in Seattle, the rainy city. Uh, that'll be fun. We'll see how uh, ASU comes back after uh, after they do their little trip up in the Northwest. Uh, volleyball is now nine and eleven. They are three and five in the Pac twelve. Uh, Can they stop with the mediocrity? Yeah. They're just always this. Where's Jeremich? Uh, fifteen Washington, number fifteen Washington. Uh, they have to play them tonight in Seattle. Everybody's in Seattle right now. Uh, men's swim and dive team, they're 2-1 and one and have number 20 Wisconsin at home tomorrow. Go out and watch uh, Michael Phelps and them boys out there. Michael Phelps is not around very much. Ah, well, you know, he's His there. coach is just the coach. Um, women's uh, swim and dive team, they're 0-3, unfortunately. But again, Wisconsin coming in, so a chance to beat a ranked team. They're number 16 in the country right yeah, Bob now. Bob Bowman's got to have a better team, too. <laughs> you calling for Bob Bowman's job right now? No, I'm just saying he's got to have a better team. He's supposed to be like this Olympic great. Let's play hot seat or not hot seat with Bob Bowman. <laughs> Bob Bowman, he needs to pick it up, and volleyball needs to pick it up as well. Bring Jeremich back and Peterson. Um, anyway, ASU cross country goes to the Pac-12 championships in Riverside, California, a week from today. Good luck, everyone. That's going to be fun. That'll be fun. Yeah, but, you know, I, I got to see better results from these Olympic sports teams. Jesse has very unrealistic expectations for all of his uh, all of his sports teams, AS, no matter what. ASU's got to be better at everything. Yeah, I mean, biggest it, it's university a, it's a in great, North it's America, a great you place, need it. Yeah. It's a great place to go, to go to college. I came here for a reason, especially to, like, swim. Why would you not come here to swim? It's a little too it like the bathtub, you know, it's too hot. That's perfect. <laughs> you ever jumped into a cold pool at six AM? Because swimmers right. are but sw- guess what? swimmers are insane. They they mentally get up at six AM to practice. I, I don't know why we're going on t- men- tangent on this. Mentally, if the pool is cold, you're gonna swim faster so you can get out of there quick enough. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Should um, we call should we call my swim coach brother and ask him what he thinks about Bob Bowman's status at Yeah, get on that ASU. while Jake and Jake and I do our predictions for this week. Anyway, ASU going to uh, the Palo Alto Bay Area, wherever you want to say it. Uh, Palo Alto. Yeah, they're playing against Stanford, the Cardinal. In front of 20 people. Um, yeah, never really a crowd there, unfortunately, for the Cardinal. They, they've they had some good teams over the past the decade. Go tree, um, though. I love not tree. recently, though. Uh, so it's going to be fun. 
Jake, 1 p.m. start. You can listen to it on, I believe, 98.7 FM. Arizona Sports, Correct. 98.7. Yeah. The, the local, local sports, sports leader. leader. The local sports reader. Uh, Jesse, Jesse has a football as he gets ready to make his prediction. But, Jake, I'm going to start with you. We need a score, and I want to know, will Emory Jones finish this game? Devils win 30-27. to 27. Emory Jones plays every offensive snap. Unless his helmet falls off. Because That's then you true. have to come out for a play. Yeah, yeah. Uh, ASU. Okay, correct. <laughs> ASU wins 28-17. to 17. Oh, wow. And they go down early. And then Trenton Bourget comes in oh, and leads them to another victory. Do you actually believe that? Or is that what you That's want what to wants. happen? No, it's what I believe will happen. <laughs> it's my prediction. I'll take that. Book it, Dano. Jeez, he's bringing out 90s references now. I think it was a 70s reference. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I think it's Hawaii 5-0. <laughs> Again? Here we go. Um, anyway, yeah, I think ASU wins this game as well. I, I can't believe we're doing this. I can't what were our preseason picks? I know I picked them to lose. I think lose. we all picked a, a loss in this one. I'm on it, Dano. Um, but, yeah, I got ASU winning. I also have Trenton Borgay coming in. And I, I think it's going to be a 20-17 to 17 victory with a Carter Brown game-winning field goal at the death. I think we did like three or four minutes too long on the kicker talk today. Why? I could do, I could do a whole show he's on... He's the team's leading scorer, 48 points. <laughs> I could do a whole show still on Carter kick, Brown. It's still kicker talk. I don't know how our audience feels about that. I ask ask Cardinals fans how they feel about Danny Amendola. <laughs> Danny Amendola, uh, well, the he, running uh, back? <laughs> the wide receiver. I'm sorry, yeah, the wide receiver. There, there was a Danny Wood. Sorry, I was thinking Danny, Danny Wood. Matt. Matt Amendola. <laughs> a lot Excuse of fine. There's a Amendola. lot of money that we owe each other here, but I don't know who owes what. And <laughs> um, Preseason predictions. We all had this as a loss. Yeah, and we're all saying win now. Well, I, di- I didn't come in here with a prediction, and now I've so talked myself into so as you win. Our first one, two, three. Our first four weeks were all identical. SC is where we started to differ, and Jesse and I were right. And then Jesse and I – these, these are preseason UW picks, by the way. Jesse and I were right again for UW. So, ha, your preseason picks suck, <laughs> Jeremy. That's the best thing I that's mean, ever I happened say, on you were really show. ballsy taking a, taking a USC dub. I, that did, that did take – put this, put this on a poll on at AZ Sports Devils if you want to follow us there. Ha, your preseason <laughs> predictions suck, Jeremy, question mark, yes or no. Um, next with, week With the graphic that shows what you picked. <laughs> Can you send me that graphic, Jeremy? I'm on it, yeah. Um, anyway, next week they got Colorado. It'll be exciting to see. Uh, 4.30 p.m. kickoff. That's at four thirty. Great. Uh, so we get another. Why are we? Why are we, can we wrap up the show instead of talking about the game after the game that hasn't this even is been me played? Me wrapping yet? up the show. I'm saying after. Okay. After they take on Stanford, they got Colorado next week. Um, we're going to talk to everyone who's listening. If you're still here, bless you. Um, but we'll talk to you all after the game tomorrow, and we'll have our rapid reactions. To this one, you can read all of Jake's articles on AZ Sports or ArizonaSports.com. Excuse me. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. For Jake Anderson and Jesse Morrison, I'm Jeremy Schnell. Have a good one. Ciao. Ha!